Well, yes, my name's Amy Talbot. I just help um, oversee some of the pastoral side of the church here, if I haven't met you before. And I want to talk about something that's actually quite quite basic and easily an area that you know as part of your personal testimony already. I know some of you have done seasons in the Lord way longer years than I have um, even, and so I honor your stories. I honor the faithfulness in the room today, but it's really something basic, but something that I have felt in my heart again this last for about a month now and then this week uh, my friend from the east coast she sent me a link and it was to um a great graham cook and he was speaking on the same thing i think his sermon it was almost two hours it's filled with lots of jokes if you listen to graham cook but it was it's called why being wounded and betrayed is really helpful for a christian anyone want to listen to that one <laughs> and so I'm, I don't feel I've just been betrayed. It's not why I listened to it. I just wondered why my friend had thought to send it to me. But the things he was talking about was exactly what's just been on my heart this last month. So I feel like it's a ground topic, a foundational level topic. Um, but I'm just going to go with it anyway because it's been bubbling. I also can speak quite anecdotally. So what that means is I can use a lot of my personal testimony in there, which does not uh, trump biblical stories and stories of what the, the people in the Bible did. That's actually more important. But just know if I throw my story in there, um, it's just because sometimes our personal testimony has an anointing on it if we've been through something. So each of you have an anointing in the areas especially that you've been through things. It gives you an authority. So all I've got is my stories, and that's all I have to share. Some of you have heard them before. There's only a bunch of them. But just know that that's that's just in my backpack. So if I bring out the same stories, it really is a basic word that I often end up speaking about, but it's the one that the Lord's written on my heart in the dark times. So I'm going to go there again, but all mashed up and in a different package. Is that all right? Cool. So we're going to go on a journey, um, but let me just dedicate this time to the Lord through prayer. We thank you, Father, that you come. We just thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you're here. Father, would you just help me? And today, would we have eyes to see and ears to hear? May we walk away encouraged. May we see you as you truly are. If there's any area of our life at all, Father, that is not rattling with hope, Father, would you bring truth to those areas? Would you bring truth to those areas that we can see your mighty right hand even stronger than ever before? May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so one of the drums I beat in this church a lot is, has to do with, we're a ministry, this word that I didn't know existed until I did Elijah House Ministries. But today I, I kind of want to do something different and beat a drum that almost looks like it's on the other side. It's almost like I'm going the other direction, which might frighten those of you who've been journeying with me into, yes, in a healing prayer ministry, prayer counseling is helpful. I'm going to be going, yes, but there's this whole thing over here as well that needs attention. So I'm going, yes, prayer ministry, but actually, can we talk about this? So two boxes at the top. If there is any area in our life that's a bit tricky, if you can't see the whiteboard, that's all right. I'm just going to keep talking, and maybe it's you're a bit too far away, but I'm just going to use it as a tool. Don't stress if you can't see it. If there's an area in our life where you've got repeated patterns of relationship problems that just happen or financial problems, especially if there's a pattern, so it's happening again and again and again, job problem, uh, relationship problem, anger keeps coming up, an addiction keeps coming back, anything that's repeated usually has a root. So a bit of fruit, an outcome, the thing that hangs on the tree, the red apple, any fruit in our life that keeps reappearing, is it because the apple's amazing? No, it's because the roots are amazing. So if fruit keeps appearing in your life, it's because there is a root in place that needs to be removed, okay? And that's where prayer ministry is, is awesome. So if we have inner, uh, inner hurt, inner pain, inner trouble, inner, 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 that's showing in our external, we need prayer ministry. So that's usually what I'm talking about, and I'm usually discussing all the different tools of how we can set the captives free, Yes, that's really great, but I'd like to talk about over here. There's another whole process that comes with the Christian walk where we're just going to be in turmoil and in pain, and it doesn't matter how much prayer ministry we get, we're not going to come out. Because the focus isn't to be rescued. The focus is to be transformed. And transformation comes with a process. 
and prayer ministry often looks like a promise of extraction from pain. It's not. It's a promise of coming to death in your root systems in ways that are poisoning your life. It's a promise of patterns being stopped. But it's actually, whether we have prayer ministry or not, we need to go through a process often in our Christian life where things are just hard. In fact, for, for some of us, it's where things get so dark we can't see. But yet, we need to keep walking. And I want to talk about that in case I've brought any confusion into the church with my huge rah-rah of this, which I continue to rah-rah, is, and sometimes we need the prayer ministry to help with this, but actually there's a process called transformation and sanctification, and it only comes with a process. And a process equals time. Okay, so today I want to talk about the process of transformation. And basically the end point of my discussion today is that we need to submit to this process. Some of us are squirming little beasts in the hand of the Lord. <laughs> we are fighting against this kind of process in our hearts of transformation, of making us more like him. That's what transformation is. It's our character becoming like him, our lives becoming like him. It's becoming, so we, we are saved positionally when we become a Christian, but then we need to be saved in a walking it out kind of way. So we get sanctified in the walking it out, we get saved when we give our lives to him. So today I want to talk about that and I want to normalize it and maybe give us some tools and some handholds on how to climb the wall when we're, when we're going through that. And doesn't matter whether we have some help and some counseling and some prayer ministry, we can't avoid going through this. So if, if any of you have felt embittered, like prayer ministry doesn't work, it might be because it's not a, a root problem you're working with, it's you're in the fire. You're in the wilderness. Another word, in the another metaphor used is the wilderness season. Any of you ever been in there? If you haven't, good luck. We'll kiss your passport for you. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Quickly come and take notes on how to go through it. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really good. It produces amazing, amazing fruit. And for us to learn to love the process and give over to it and submit to it and allow, the words in the Bible I'll show you are allow, allow him, allow him. And some of us are squirmers. Some of us are squirmers, some of us are streamers. That was me. So I'm going to tell the story of how to work through, if you're on in this, as a streamer to someone who's like, ah, and I'm going through this and it's really hard and who won't stop talking about the pain. And they're still my friends, the key people I've journeyed with. They're still my friends. I would have given a few more slaps to me. but um, So screaming, squirming is not going to get you very far. All right, so the testing, that when the scriptures talk about being in testing, being in the fire, walking through the river, but he will be with you. It's all about this, all right? This is just if in your marriage, in your parenting, in your best friending, in your workplace, in your finances, in your addictions, there's patterns keep coming up. This is welcome to refine as fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Holy comes through this. Holiness comes through this. And so I want to normalize it. And if any of you feel like you're in a pit, literally, like Joseph, who I'm going to use as my example, as Graham Cook did in his thing I listened to again this week. If you're in the pit, it's probably because you're going to be in the palace. If you're called for palace, if you're called for big things, which you all are, if there's a destiny on your life, which there is on every single one of you, because there's destiny on your life, you're going to need to go through the pit to challenge, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about me? That all comes out, that gets squeezed out in the process. Whatever junk is in there starts to come through. And it hurts, baby. It really does, I know. I feel like I just came out of mine 2017. I'm like, is this what joy feels like? I haven't had it as an adult. It's actually true. Age 20, I went into the pit. I came out last year. I don't ever want to do my young adult years again. But I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. And I'm living now, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, it's really amazing on the other side. So I want to share with you what to do when you're in it, and maybe yours can be shorter if you don't scream and squirm <laughs> like mine and have to go around the mountain a few more thousand times like the Israelites in the wilderness. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Joseph. Some of you may have heard maybe about his life, which is exactly, he's got destiny on his life. He had a 
dreams. He had two dreams. He shared his dreams. What happened? As soon as he shared the dreams, he started a journey of? His dream is, I see my brothers standing around me down there, and I'm up here, and they come to worship me. What happened next? They threw him in a pit where he was down here looking up at all his brothers. Does your life look the opposite to the prophetic words on your life? Are you in a season where I'm like, this isn't what the Lord told me life with him would be like? You're probably in the right place. You're just in the pit. It just looks upside down compared to what he said over your life. But you're not in the wrong place. Just keep moving. So he went from the pit. Maybe you've heard the P one. He went from the pit to the Potiphar's, which is another P. So he ended up in the prison. And from there to the palace. Is that two L's? He went from there to there to there. The prophetic word, was it about the pit or the palace? The palace. So the promises on your life the Lord's given you, when you read the Bible, whatever it says about you, that is where you will end up, my friends. It is where you will end up. It's where your, your closest people will end up. It's where your spouse or your friends will end up. Keep contending for them. The word was right, but just because it's pit season doesn't mean palace isn't coming. Okay? It's part of the process. Lots of P's in that sentence. It's part of the process. Relax. But it is grueling. Another one, so Graham Cook uses ones with the letter D. And this made sense to me. So he's, he's like, there's the cycle that happens as a Christian. And I agree. And I want to normalize it for you today so that frustration and confusion with the Lord can be taken out of the, of the situation. So you get a, a declaration. So we're going to use the Ds. There's a declaration over your life. What does that mean? Someone gives you a prophetic word or in the scripture, the rhema word, it jumped out of the Bible of something the Lord's going to do or you had a dream. Okay, so that can be prophetic. You can have a dream. Someone. What often happens sometimes, so 10% of prophetic words spoken, 10% I'd say, I, didn't, that I can't put that number in. I don't know the truth. A short amount actually is a declaration and your life can change within a week. So sometimes someone will just speak something over you and things shift. So it's actually a declaration that, that shifts you into first gear and, and suddenly you were there and now you're here. And that's incredible. And I wish that was the most time the way it worked, but it's not. It's sometimes what's used to pop someone out of the mud and move them forward. But most times prophetic words are for you to hold on for dear life because straight after that, often you get thrown into distress. Graham Cook says, his best friend says, it's like you become a Christian and someone gives you this amazing prophetic word and you're like in the glory. And straight after it's like Jesus takes you into dark little quiet room and, and just beats you to death. And that's exactly what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to bring to death the flesh in us. And it, if we actually stood back and looked at it, it's like we need it. We need it because we're not even like Jesus now. But we also need it to carry the character that comes with the call in our life. Do, you, do we feel, could you say to yourself now, the, the dreams that are in my life or the prophetic words on my life, I have the character and the Jesus in me to, to, uh, to walk out with stamina, all that's involved with that. Or, or, or do we have a bit more flesh to go? I know I have more flesh to go, even if it's just my lack of trust. That's flesh. My distrust that he, do any of you go pray over the dead? I, I don't. There's areas in us that are unbelieving parts of our heart. Do we go into hospitals all the time? Do we believe that everyone will pray for? Then that's areas of unbelief. Do we have areas of unbelief? Well, then we need a bit more of a carpet beating from him. He's not actually like that. If any of you have a picture of an abusive father, it is not who he is. But he does want to bring us to death in the areas of our flesh. And that's his kindness to us. The fact that he would even go, I'll die for your sin. So he takes it on himself, number one. Then number two, what does he do? Then I'll spend all of my time purifying you for you and for me. So he doesn't just die for it. Then he spends our life cleaning us up because we need it. That's a loving God. It's his kindness to us that we get a bit of a carpet beating. It doesn't feel good, but oh my gosh, does there dust and mites in there. his kindness 
because we want that destiny, but we won't carry it out with the character that we've got at this stage. So we often go into distress. Distress is like Joseph in the pit looking up at his brothers. He was in a bad place. So we enter into a season of hardship. And then what happens in that season of hardship is we learn who we really are. Because who we are in the fire is who we are. Who we are in the fire is who we are. So when the pressure is on, when things are really awful, when everything on the outside is wonderful, but you're just in turmoil, this was me, I was completely safe all through my 20s and early 30s, completely externally blessed, first world countries, beautiful, internal turmoil, depression, darkness, just holding on, fingertip years. So internally we enter into distress, but what comes out of you is actually what needs to come to death. What amount of screaming comes up? Are you a screamer? As in, and always talking about yourself and feel sorry for yourself, that's in there. I'm actually talking about me, I'm not like, you're, you're this, like, um, this was me, unfortunately. A squirmer, um, fear, some people, th- that wasn't mine, but that might be yours, that when things get tricky, you actually live with anxiety and fear. That's, that's God's kindness that he wants to pull that out of you. He didn't put it in there. That's God's kindness. Fear, worry, false refuges. What happens when the squeeze is on is what he's after to release you from. So I know it feels awful and our focus is on he's squeezing me, but actually, oh, he's releasing me from all this junk that is not part of who I am. It's not part of the destiny that's on my life. So in his kindness, he takes us into distress, which he allows. It doesn't feel good at the time, does it? For an example, so Joseph, so the story's all in Genesis 37, right up to, you know, 45. It's just going through a whole story. I'm not going to read 15 chapters to you. But I just wanted to jump over a few little blocks on the way. So Genesis 37, he has his dream. Do you have any dream for your life? It doesn't mean you dreamt it at night. It could be a dream in your heart. If you let yourself dream and actually believed you could do what you dream, that's the dream. Some of us believe that we're too little, but yeah, we have a dream. Or a prophetic word, a rhema word from the Bible. And then he went into the pit. And then he was with Potiphar, where he learned, not knowing, not knowing one day he was going to be ruling all the land, but he learned the trade of overseeing a house, overseeing, like Potiphar was rich and had a whole, he released Joseph to learn. So that's wonderful. He was in a great place. He still was a slave. He was still separated from his family, but he learned skills. And we, a lot of us learn our skills. Everything I do up here and in this community, I learned in the dark. Everything. We learn skills in the dark if we're faithful, if we keep going, just keep going. And he teaches you the skills. I learned it in the dark. So then he went to Potiphar's. Then he went to prison for something he didn't do. Have you been betrayed before? By a person, by a financial person, by a partner, by a church? Welcome to being like Jesus, who knew betrayal more than anybody. It's called identifying with him in our sufferings. It's not a bad thing to go through. He really makes us like him even through betrayal. So Joseph was betrayed and then ended up in prison. That is the opposite to the declaration. He believed this and he's here. Can you imagine being in a prison in that time? As a Christian, what would happen to your faith? If I was put in a prison for something I didn't do, I have a feeling there'd be a big squeeze over my belief in the Lord. Real, I would start screaming all over again because I don't think I've been pushed to that yet. I I think bad stuff would come out of me if I got put, even in Australia, if I got put in the women's prison here for something I didn't do, even if it was something I did do. That would squeeze my faith. But some of us are in a prison on the inside or we know friends who are. Will you be faithful in that? Will you be faithful in the dark? I really want to focus on that today. Faithfulness in the dark, digging a well, hanging in there, saying what you said you'd do, getting up in the morning and still choosing God, choosing life, choosing the word. Being faithful in the dark is what promotes you to the palace. He was faithful in the prison, so then they elevated him, even in there, even in there. He learned skills, 
And then that's when the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, tell me your, what my dreams mean. So then he, he interpreted. And after that, when Pharaoh, the Lord knows how to get us into the positions that we want to be in. If we've got a call on our life in the marketplace, nothing can block your call. Did you know that? The scripture shows us that your gift makes room for you. Your gift makes room for you. Nothing can block you. Similar if you feel there's a parenting, you know, if there's ministry on your life, don't fret if you're not being seen and put in position. Your gift makes room for you. The Lord knows how to get you from the pit, from the prison to Pharaoh in his timing when our characters and when our flesh has died enough that we can be entrusted with a country. I couldn't be trusted with Egypt. It takes a prison season for that. I'm like, I, I don't want that bigger calling because then I got to go through that. No, that's not what I'm saying today. That's not what I'm saying, but it is what I'm saying. It's actually what ne- we, we need sanctification in order to walk out the call that's on our lives. We have major call on this church. So I want to normalize and acknowledge if any part of your life or someone in your family is in a pit or a part of your life only, it's because there's greatness on you. It's because God trusts you enough to go through the pit. He actually trusts you to go through it and come out of it and walk into what he's called you to do. He trusted me to put me through 14 years in the wilderness, grueling on the inside, because he knew I'd keep saying yes, and he knew I'd take hold of things, and he has a job for me to do and a call for me to do. It's the same for you. Trust him. He's doing an amazing work on you. He's a great molder and a shaper. We just don't always know what we can't see. We can't see. We don't know what he's doing. But our trust gets tested in the fire. It's a good place to be. I trust more than I ever did. I did not trust like I did when I was 20. And it's not because of age. It's because of process. He builds you in the dark. Imagine being an artist or a, um, uh, who turns wood? A wood turner. That was deep. <laughs> um, wow. Starts with a C. A carpenter. Imagine being that and then you make your beautiful pieces in the dark only. That's an artist. He makes beautiful things in the dark and it takes time. I think sometimes depending on how much we're squirming when he's trying to do the finer details. That's what kept the the people in the wilderness longer than they needed to be there. Are we squirmers and screamers like me? Okay, so. Genesis. Then it got to... Uh, yeah, so 41, Pharaoh had the dream, makes him the ruler because the Lord gave him what he needed and he interpreted the dream. And even then, he was able to say, no, I don't. I don't interpret dreams. But I know someone who does. The fruit of coming through the process and the distress is God gets glorified. Jesus prayed that, Gethsemane. I can even pray that I be taken out of this, but I choose to stay in this. May God be glorified. May that be our prayer. When we're in the wine press, when we're on the threshing floor, when we're being sifted, if we could just go, I allow this, Lord, and I choose to be here, may God be glorified. Then when we walk in our destinies, we no longer are people who are like, I wonder what people thought of me. Did they see me? Did they hear my word? Did they um, see how I was with the kids? Did they see my ministry? Did they see my great job I did today at the office? Did they see my teaching? Did they see my gardening? We actually, everything is just to the glory of God because... I just know some of the things I do around here, I don't know how to do them and I never knew how to do them before I went into the dark. So I just, we all, um, well, I can battle with pride. I don't have pride when it comes to ministry things because I do it desperate not knowing what to do and he shows off. He really gets the glory if it comes out of the dark time. That's how it works. That's why Jesus stayed in it so that God would be glorified. It's the only way. May, May he bring us to death. Yeah? So then, I just love the story of Joseph because it shows that he still had a heart. I sometimes I'm like, oh, he went to the pit and he went to the prison and he went through all this hardship because he's amazing and an amazing character in the Bible. And I'm like, no, he actually really hurt. But it doesn't show that through the story until after he's out. And then the Lord allows us to see his heart. He marries a priest's daughter. He gets given a family. He lost his family and the Lord gives him a family. And he has two boys and he names them. What does he name them? 
he names them after his, what the Lord's brought him through. He actually verbalizes his pain. You know, pain needs a voice. So in um, 41 verse 32, he, no, 41 verse 50, Genesis, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, which means cause to forget. God has made me forget all my trouble and sh- hardship and all the sorrow of the loss of my father's household. So it's not that he had to go through this ruling process, but the Lord also healed him of his grief and his loss. And for some of us, the, the, the pit is a whole bunch of grief and loss maybe in an area. A loss of dream, a loss of livelihood, a loss of, I thought marriage would be like this, a loss of time, a loss of a kid, a loss of money, a loss of dignity. The Lord has caused me to be fruitful. That's his promise over us. And, oh no, that's the next born. He has made me forget my trouble and hardship and the sorrow of the loss of my father's household. So he gives back. And then the next child he calls Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. So God has caused me to be fruitful and very successful in the land of my suffering. That's who he is. In the very land of your suffering, if any of you are in there, there's probably a percentage of us, he will cause you, he, not you, he, that's how good he is. He will cause you to be fruitful, any of your part of your life not bearing good fruit, and successful in the land of your suffering. That's our God. He brings us through and then he gives it to us and then he ends up glorified. And he squeezes bitterness out of us. Would any of you had that kind of bitterness with your brothers if they were the ones who put you in the pit? Being in the pit's one thing. Being put into the wilderness by people in this room or in your family is a whole other thing. That's where betrayal comes in. Have you been betrayed? Have you lost because at the hand of someone else in the church or in your, in your family? But even through that process, what can God do? This is what he does. Genesis 45 verse 4, the brothers come back, and this one it really shows character. The character that gets pruned in the prison. What does Joseph say when he's with his brothers? I don't know if I could have said this. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me ahead of you to save life and preserve family. God sent me here ahead of you. That means we really don't even have bitterness and anger and unforgiveness left. But you know what it does mean? Well, then if it was God who threw us into some of the hardships we're in, okay, so maybe we can forgive others. But how, if Joseph's had a revelation that it was God who put him through the pit, the prison, the palace, the declaration, the distress, which leads us to development, development of character, development of ministry skills in the marketplace or, or here. If he leads us through and God put me under the bus, then that's, that's a whole other area of anger for us to deal with. I never, ever, ever thought I could get angry with God. Not me. <laughs> I'm so tight with God. My whole life I've been so faithful to him. It took him really, really pressing me. He pressed me to the point that it was only two years ago. I was on staff here and I got to the point of, I think I, I think I could, I can smell the option of walking away from my faith. And I hit, and I think prison does that. And in pris- internal prison hit, externally I would say, it hit and I could see that it was a membrane of a choice here. And I was pushed to the end of myself with the Lord. I was pushed to the end. Happened to end up in a church service that day couldn't sing, not one song. Have you been like that in worship? You're like, I can't say the words today. That's a real place to be. But I stood. I chose to stand, but I couldn't sing. And I got home that night, and the only way I got through that day and didn't walk away is I slept holding my Bible. That was it. That was my faithfulness. That's all I had, is I'm going to sleep holding my Bible. Because I just begged, you don't let me harden my heart, was my only prayer, because I'm hardening it. But can you save me from me? Can you keep me connected to you? And I just slept holding it going, I don't, I don't see a way out of this pit. I'm done. I'm so done. But can you soften my heart? And I had to wait for him to, to put the thing on me and bring me back to life in, re- in regard to him and put some seeds of, of connection back with him and start to rebuild my trust. My trust got so shaken. 
and the palace does, uh, the, the prison does that. It, sh- it shakes anything in you that just doesn't trust the Lord. And I didn't know there was a part of me that if it got pushed that far, there wasn't trust for Je- towards Jesus in that part of my heart. I didn't know until I got to that part of my heart. I'm sure Joseph had to deal with that in the prison. Is there some area of your life that's pushing you and what comes out of your mouth is fear or distrust in God? Or can you say that God's good in every area of your life? If you can't, there's a part in your heart that has distrust in it and he wants to get in there and change it. And so that year was a year of him getting that distrust out of my heart, 2016. And he, he healed that part that I didn't even know was in there until I got pushed so far I was ready to walk away. And uh, by the grace of God, I came through. I wasn't even in the country at the time. I had none of my friends around me. I did have my family. And Dad, all he could do was put his arm around me in that worship service. He knew I couldn't sing. Have you been pushed that far? It might come. So I'm telling you this. It's a basic sermon, but it might come in your future. And it's for your good. Get pushed that far and get that distrust out. Get that fear out. Get that anger and blame. Some of us, when... When, when hurt comes, we blame the church. The church isn't here. I'm supposed to be in comfort if I'm in this church. The church isn't taking away my pain. Or my, my partner, this. Or like what, what goes off when we get pushed needs to come out, needs to be brought to death on the cross. It needs to be, it needs to be in the refiner's fire. Because after the development comes our destiny. And I, I don't, I wish that we could go from declaration to destiny, but I'm so glad we don't. I don't think our character would carry the greatness of the destiny that's on the lives of the people in this room. My character can't. Already next year, I need some more process because we're going into the more this year. Ooh, la, 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 2018. We're going into it this year, and already I'm like, just, just do it. Cut it out of me. I'm getting used to this, but I'm like, I'm little. Destiny's big. I still squirm and scream. I've still got stuff in me. Just hand it over. Get the blood sucked out. Do it. Transform. We get better at giving over, but it really doesn't work that we go from here to here. So I want to help with anyone who's got frustration with the Lord. I even chose you, and and I haven't gone from here to here. It's not kingdom way. Kingdom way is by his kindness, he sanctifies us. But it's because he's chosen you. He actually thinks you're that great and that you can do this. He's called you. He believes that you're the right one. It's just because of sin that's in us that isn't his fault. He's choosing to, by his kindness, squeeze it out of us so that it's not with us when we run, so that we don't trip there or trip and take 100 people down with us. Have any of you been part of that before? You've been under some kind of leadership in a job or church and the trip happened with whoever's in there. God, by your grace, may you take us through all the prisons we need so we don't become a people who let our people down and get into sexual sin when we're in leadership and get into, like, Lord, just purify us now. Purify us now. It's his kindness that he's been doing this in us this last year. 2017, so many of you have been in the heart journey deep. It's because the call is deep and he's good. And he's got this. And you're nearly there. Hang on in there. Yeah? I want to touch on another area in case you get stuck in what I did. I'd be a very bad girl. Some of us, uh, we get called or we get saved or we do something as a Christian and we become like a prodigal son. We just throw everything in the air. We just sin left, right, and center because something in our heart is wanting to know, will I be loved if I even behave bad? And the Lord just saves us. And a lot of prodigals I've found are just a lot more humble because they're like, he saved me, I'm wretched. Prodigals know they're wretched and they're just so glad they got saved. But then you get people like me who were the older brother. We never did anything big, bad. We're so faithful. Been in the church. We've been serving Jesus. I didn't go do that and I didn't go that. I stayed a very strong Christian and things are really hard. And people who were even... Uh, prodigals are getting raised up into positions and I've been serving and faithful and where's my dot, dot, dot? Well, that was me. Possibly a few grains still left in there to be squeezed. (laughs) The older brother in us goes, where is my dot, dot, dot? I believed you and where is my? I tithed, where's my breakthrough? 
I tithed for 10 years. I even gave all of this. I came to church every Sunday. Why is this bad? If any part of us goes, you owe me something or it's my right, we're older brothers. Don't be like me. If any part of us feels that God owes us something, what we deserve is death, literal. And he took that even. That's all we deserve. But if any part of us feel we deserve something, where's my husband? Because I've been so did it. Where's my wife? I've been so did it. Where's my children? Where's my income? Where's my great marriage? I, I served you all my life. Where's my ministry? I've been so, whoa, whoa, hello, older brother. That was me. Very humbling to realize. And it's the same level of sin as a prodigal. It's just you fell into self-righteousness instead of into fell off the horse altogether. It's sin. And I really had to confess that. Thank you, Lynn. I really had to confess and do deep repentance and get off my self-righteous. I have a right for this outcome in my life. We don't deserve anything. The fact that we wake up in the morning is incredible. What a good God that we wake up in the morning. We don't deserve life, truly. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve each other. And look what we've got. This is amazing. We're so blessed. It's by his goodness that we even have each other. We don't deserve anything, but because he died for us, he wants to give us everything, but we'll make sure that our character doesn't destroy what he wants to give us. Does that make sense? Okay. So I just wanted to add that in there as I keep confessing my sins. So just want to go over. So what, what is the testing for? So we're tested. This is a testing. Testing. And you, some of you might hear that word and go, Oh, it takes me back to high school, and I failed for my test. <laughs> I, none of you could get lower than me in maths. I did very well at <laughs> my 9% in exams. <laughs> okay, so I know failing, science, maths, anything to do with smart side of my brain down here. Um, I was creative. But this is a test you cannot fail. Did you know that? The testing of the Lord, this, you actually can't fail it. You cannot fail this testing but you can go round and round and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. That's how the wilderness works. So you can't fail it. He's not testing you to go pass, fail, pass, fail. Oh, I have to be better. I have to be more Christian. This isn't about performance orientation. You can't fail this test. But the way through, it probably is because you end up in peace. You have a testing time and what comes out of you is peace. That will show whether you've passed the test. You know, where it says in scripture, I'm like a weaned child on your breast, Lord. That is, that's when you pass. That's when you're allowed your license to drive into the destiny. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're not all needy, suckle, suckle, blah, blah. you're just like a weaned, I have trust. I know you're going to do this. And I'm still, stillness is like tick, you pass. Stillness. So if there's any part of us that's not still, and trusting, and at rest, and quiet. I can't tell you how much of a supernatural, can I tell you this amazing tool the Lord gave me? It was amazing. It was a revelation he gave me one-on-one -on -one when I was in the room, and it was a tool to get through the wilderness. Do you want to know it? He told me to shut up. That's, it hit me between the eyes. He may not have used those words, and we don't use them with our siblings. We don't say that word. We don't say that to each other, but he said it to me because I was a screamer. He led me to Lamentations 3.19 to 29, where they think Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, and he was screaming. He's a squirmer and a screamer. And the whole first part of Lamentations 3 is, God's broken my bones and I'm gnashing my teeth and I'm empty, and he's going on and on about the cruddiness of his life, so he's here, which is a real place to be in. He's here. He's in distress. Distress, distress, distress. And then he goes on to the best part. Lamentations 3, 19. After he's been going on and on and on like I used to, it says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Okay, so he's still remembering how bad everything is. Thank you, Jeremiah. We hear you. 
I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Sometimes the downcastness of our soul is to do with the fact that we're remembering how bad things are all the time. So my soul is downcast within me, yet this I, so I have to do something, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So here's the key. Everyone put your hand on your head. This I call to mind. I have to do some work here, and therefore I have hope. What is it that I do? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We're not going to get consumed in the pit, guys. We're not. It's a kingdom truth. We're not going to get consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, so we've got to do some work here. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I will wait in the pit for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him. And this is where the Lord spoke to me. It is good to wait quietly, he said, for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a, a man to bear the yoke while he is young. So in particular, when you're young in the Lord or young in this thing, it's good to bear the yoke of distress while we're still young in this. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid this on him. The Lord has sent me to Egypt to be in a prison. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. And the Lord's like, you're screaming. A way through this is to be quiet. And I really want to share that tool because we can go on and on and on about the pain. But, you know, it's not like he's saying, put your ear to a train track and you'll hear the future coming. That's not what it is. It's put your mouth to the dust. I wouldn't be able to talk if my mouth was on the ground wide open. I don't know about you. That's the picture. So do you see the mental picture? He's like, even if you need to sew your lips to the sand, do it. Stop screaming. There may yet be hope. I got down on my knees and placed my mouth on the floor. And I went, I'm going to stop screaming. The journey of that still took a few years. <laughs> I then met Brad and Lisa and you know, had Rachel and my friends here. They'll tell you I've still been a bit of a screamer. But it changed dramatically then. We've got to not be talking about what's hard. Put your mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope. So that's a good tool, yeah? The next one he gave me was, and my righteous will walk by faith and not by. Some of us keep seeing what's wrong. And this isn't working. And this person's not saved. And this is really hard. And this is in my health is like this. And, and we can see it all. And I affirm it. And the pit is really bad. I affirm it. But if we're seeing with our eyes, it ain't going to get any better. The Lord says the righteous will live by faith, not by sight. So after I put my mouth to the dust, I went to the kitchen and I got a tea towel and I put a bandana around my eyes. I'm like, so I'm not going to be screaming and I'm not going to be looking. It went to, I'm going to be silent and I'm going to start walking by faith. And that took me into a year's worth of reading the word. Hello, people. The word is where we get our I can do today. The word is the truth. What we see this might be happening in the natural, but actually the kingdom perspective is what's going on is in the word. We need to eat. Some of us are anemic on the inside for the lack of the word. We're spiritually, what are you called when you don't eat? By thought, you choose not to eat. At, we're spiritually anorexic and we're wondering what's wrong. Some of us are spiritually anorexic and we're like, it's hard, but we're not eating. We're actually starving in our spirit. People, the word will feed, the word will feed, the word will feed. So I just want to end by just basically what I've said is I've got six things to write on the board that I don't have to actually unpack anymore because I've gone over them. If you want to write them down for a friend you know is hard or stick them on your phone, it's if you're in the pit, do this, okay? So if you're in the pit, is there an eraser in my life? Can I have a tissue? Thanks, Ed. Thanks. If you're in the pit at all, be kind to yourself. <laughs> it really is awful. It's really awful. Be kind to yourself. There's no judgment. It's not because you're terrible and disgusting and sinful. Don't get that out of what I've been saying. It's awful, and it's because the Lord trusts you with a beautiful destiny that you're in the pit. It's not because you're full of sin.
Buddy will get rid of the sin in the process. Okay. So if you're in the pit, get a word. Get a prophetic word. Get a prophetic word. You need to hang on to the destiny at the end of the circle when things are dark. You need to see the lighthouse when you're going through the forest that goes up to the lighthouse or when you're on the stormy sea before you get to the lighthouse. You need that. So if you don't have anyone who's ever spoken a prophetic word over your life, get one. Come and get prayer. Come up to the front and we're all going to gulp and come pray because the Lord is the one with the word and he'll come through. Or this is really helpful, is go find anyone you ever got and put them all into one book. If they're audio, save them on a file on your phone, and when you're driving, just play your prophetic words, one after one after one after one. Anytime someone prays for you this next year, have your phone and record, and then save them to a, to a music set. You need to get a word, okay? So that might be a dream in your heart or an actual dream at night, like Joseph. It might mean a rhema word, which is when we read the Bible and then it comes to life. Like we feel like God just spoke to me in that sentence. That's when it's a rhema word. It comes alive. Logos is just the normal words in the Bible, which are amazing. But as soon as it comes to life and speaks to you, that's become a rhema word. So you need to read the Bible and get some promises for yourself. So get a word or have a prophetic word, someone over you, and then collect them and focus on them. Write them everywhere. Get a pen from Riot that writes on your mirror in your bathroom. Write the key words there. Put it on a poster in your car. Surround yourself with truth. Just get a word about the situation. Okay? Next. You'd think I'd remembered this. But I did it in a very haphazard wilderness way myself. I kind of went round and round and round. Terribly. Then we need to actually, this is the hard part, we need to get up and we need to give over. So the, it talks about in the process of the wilderness in the Bible, we need to allow him to do the journey of transformation in us. So this is called submit. Submit. Just get up from the woe is me like I was. You, none of you may get like that, but that was me, the victim. And allow just yield yield to the process sometimes all I did is stand like this at home and I just was I yield I yield and it went a lot faster <laughs> just yield just say yes just say yes let him do it he's good he's kind it'll go faster when we don't squirm so give over um, and then get believing this has been if it's the one thing the Lord has focused on me in 14 years it's what do I believe what do I believe? Psalm 78 says that the only thing that angered the Lord about the people when they were in the wilderness was they didn't believe that he would deliver them from their situation. Is there any part of our heart that doesn't fully believe that God can deliver us from whatever situation we're in? That needs to come to death. Get believing. Get promises. Get the word. Get the word in here, not the fear in here. So get believing. Write scriptures about the situation down. Get believing truth. Any area of our lives that's under the that that is not under the influence of hope, not shining with hope. Any area of our life not shining with hope is under the influence of a lie. Any area of your life that's not shining with hope, your job, your house, your dog, your partner, your neighbor. Any area of your life that's not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie, which is really reassuring because that means that's not the truth. So we need to get into what is the truth. And let's get into the word, people. Leave it on your coffee table. Leave it on your bench. I just leave mine out. It's much easier to, to just look at it again the next morning. Get your stuff out. Get your journal out. So get believing. And then get faithful. Get faithful. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Show up. Don't throw the towel in when things get hard. Some of us have that in our character. Things get hard in church, so we throw the towel and we don't come for a month. Things get hard in the place we're serving in the church, so we stop for a while. 
It's my eighth year in this church. I did seven of them in pain. In pain. Every time I've gotten up here, it's because I've been learning that thing in the dark. I'm like, oh, God's going to get some glory for this. It's just not fun. Don't not show up. Don't throw the towel in, guys. Don't quit. Jennifer Evers put up that up this last week. People you haven't even met yet are depending on you not quitting. Don't quit. We're nearly there. Don't quit. Show up. Get faithful. Dig your well. Dig your well in the secret place. Develop some history with God. This is really important. Get faithful in the secret place. How you are in the secret place will determine your influence in the public place, not your giftings. Did you know that? Your giftings won't determine whether you're released publicly in ministry or in the marketplace or in the church. Your faithfulness in the secret place will. It's the well you dig when no one sees is when he releases. I felt so unfaithful in 2017, people. Serving here, helping here, being ministered to you, by, uh, by you, ministering to you, and my quiet times, all they looked like was this. I just said to Brad and Lisa, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do my job and I can't do my life unless I have some time for extended quiet times. Please dock my pay. I need, I need to be with him before I come to work because I can't do anything without connecting with him. I can't do my job unless I'm connected to him. Dock my pay. And they went, because you've said that, that makes you worthy of this position. We'll pay for you to have your quiet times. They didn't dock my pay. <laughs> they said, we need you to be in the secret place to do what you do. But guess how glorious my quiet times were. Want to know what I did? All of 2017, I was curled up in a ball on my couch and I said three words the whole year. I need you. That's what Rachel was saying at the end of the worship. That's all I said. I felt like a fraud in my job because all I could say is I need you. I need you. And I said it over and over for an hour and then I came to work. But now I'm living in this new territory where he really meets my needs every day. And I told him every day, I need you. You're my portion. You're my, and I had lots of unmet need. I've had a lot of losses. But I kept saying, but I need you. And that's all I say for an hour. I wasn't reading chapters and chapters and chapters of the Bible, but I'd get into the word by faithful discipline. I could, all I could say was, I need you. And I couldn't find him often on those days. I was saying it without feeling him. If you think I live in this glorious quiet times and I just feel him for an hour and I'm in the glory and then I come and do my job, no. I choose him for an hour and then I come sometimes and I didn't find him that whole hour. But then during my day, he just comes and he provides this and he meets me with this and he provided the answer for that. And he came after. So don't judge your quiet time based on whether you feel him in that hour. Just press in. And now I'm living in this realm of I'm hearing him and my needs feel met. My circumstances haven't changed much in 15 years. I've learned, the one thing I've learned in the wilderness is that I feel like I'm on the promised land, but I didn't get any of his promises yet. I have specific ones from him. I have the declarations. They're still not come to pass, but I'm out. Do you know what's changed? Me. My circumstances don't change. They, they'll still come. But I think his, his design, listen to this, is we could have a prophetic word over a life, or we could just be in hardship, and we go, when my health's healed, I'll know he's a healer. When my finances are here, I'll know he's a provider. When I'm, my heart is, is at peace, I'll know he's a comforter. And so we're pressing into the Lord, waiting for the outcome and the change. But who would we be if we were believers who knew who he was depending on what he did? Because then next time we're back in the dark, it's like, well, I'll know he's a provider when he brings me out again. Instead, this is the upside down kingdom. Get into the word and in the secret place and find out who he is even when it's not happening. Get into Psalm 107. Psalm 107 tells you all that he is. Psalm 107 is he's my redeemer. He's my gatherer. He's my deliverer. He's my leader. He satisfies. He fills. He brings out. He frees. He's a healer. He brings us to our desired haven and he blesses us with fruitfulness and he raises us up. All of that about him is in just Psalm 107. Get into that. But it's an amazing place that you're in, which is what I'm tasting now. The promises still haven't come. But I feel like the gut truth in the corner of me, center of me, 
is, he is my provider, and yet the provision hasn't come. To actually learn who he is in the dark before he shows himself like that with the outcome that's material is much, that's, that's better. You actually end up going, well, which I have been this last month or so, I'm like, even if the, even if the promises don't come to pass, I've come to know him as, a, I actually feel like he's a promise keeper, even though it's because he's taught me who he is in the dark, rather than having the answer be he teaches me what he is. The money, the partner, the children, the job, what is it that you're needing, the breakthrough emotionally, your partner saved, that shouldn't teach you who he is. Faithfulness in the dark should teach you who he is. And when you learn who he is, it's like the, the promise becomes excess. Seriously, I think when Joseph got given Egypt, he didn't go, oh, God's a provider. I think he learned that in the prison and he knew it before he got it. I'm tasting that, people. You actually learn who he is before he gives it to you and that's intimacy. Then you know it. It didn't depend on whether he came through or not. He met you. You met him. Curl up on your side and all if you can say is, I need you for an hour, for a year. I was so embarrassed that that's all I could do and my whole world has changed because I wasn't going, change this, beef, change this, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me. I was like, I choose you. And then he rescued me. Okay, so don't ask to be extracted from your situation. Allow him to keep you in there and choose him, if that makes sense. And then I just want to add, I do want to add get friends. I feel like for someone who really, really focuses lots on community intimacy, I don't want to, to be sending a message here that I'm saying, you don't need friends, you don't need people, you just need God in the secret place. I am saying that. You do just need God in the secret place. You also really need interdependency. And I just want to close by talking about this because I think we almost got it right, but there's a few little gaps. So what is this word interdependency? Inter. So what's a key word that you know in this? Dependent. Yeah. The Lord designed us to be dependent on one another and that we can't get through without each other. He made it that way so that we would become a family and lock in together. So just know you're not in this alone. If you're in a pit, if anything in your life is burning, it's really important that you reach out. It's really important that you lock arms. That's different to screaming and wailing and every conversation you have, you're talking about how bad it is. It's different. So the two extremes, either side of interdependency, which is the one we want. Inter is like the red wood trees in California that are kilometers high. They don't fall over. Why? Underneath the ground, their root systems are locked in. Long, big, fat root systems, and they're all intertwined so that any wind that comes, no one falls over. So that's interdependency. What can happen when we're in a really bad place is we can become codependent or independent or dependent. And I just want to close by going, let's, let's try not to do what I did, which is I, my early 20s, so I started off in the, in, in the darkest times of my tw age 20, age 21, age 22, I tried this one, codependent, which is a real strong belief that I can save someone else who's entrapped because I know what this feels like. So we become rescuers. And we become people in the kingdom who look for people that are suffering and, oh, they're suffering. I'm going to aim for them to save their life because what if they, what if, I know what it's like to be in pain. I don't want to leave them in pain. And we actually enable them to be in a process longer because they actually need the Lord. <laughs> so we become over-responsible and we become rescuers in the kingdom. Lots of us are like that. Even some of us that become nurses, teachers, counselors, caregivers, I've done three of those four roles, can be out of a call to help people. But for some of us, there's this off thing where actually we just need to help people all the time and it's out of not wanting people to be in pain like us. We can become independent. I just need Jesus and my secret place and my quiet times. I don't need the church. I don't need people. I'm going to be in this church, come on a Sunday and make sure no one asks me a personal question. I'm not going to be in a life hub because the secret place is what a Christian just needs. 
It's really distorted. God really wants you connected. He wants you vulnerable, raw, and known. Vulnerable, raw, and known. That's when you, and loved, and people know all that you're going through, but they're not the answer to it. Do you see the difference? They're not the answer to it. Some of us believe, and that's when I go on to this hard point I want to say. I'm sorry, it's hard. Some of us have become dependent. We think that the people in this room are, gonna, are the answer or the comforter. The comforter is a person in this room or the person on the microphone. I get some people that are a bit hurt with me sometimes because their belief is that I can get them out of their process. I can't. And it would be unloving for me to try rescue you out of it. It's really good that you go through it. If we choose that people in this room and we're texting, texting, texting and calling and please see me and we're desperate, we, we believe we're a victim and that other people are all powerful and their comfort is what I need. It's not true. None of you are victims. You're all powerful people and you can do this and we're with you. But to become dependent on others in the kingdom is not the way through. To become rescuers is not the way through. And to think the secret place alone, which I wanted to just say because I've just spoken about all the secret place, it's not the way through either. Let's get self-responsible. Let's get a word. Let's get up. Let's get moving. Let's surround ourselves with the word. Let's get into the word daily. Uh, let's get quiet. Let's, let's, get, let's sh- shut up, as Jeremiah showed me. Yet, let's stay connected. So I stopped screaming, but I still told my friends, I still tell my friends what hurts. I feel completely known in this church. There's no part of my ache parts that someone doesn't know about. But that's different to screaming. And I don't think they are the answer. I'm just being interdependent and I'm getting back into the secret place the next morning when I wake up again. Is that all right? So if anyone in your life is in the process, normalize it to them. Affirm it. Give them some tools. And really, we can't, they just got to go through it. But we'll stay with each other. Encourage them through. Send them scriptures. I've got a song list and everything in it is you fulfill promises and the waiting and just listen to songs, listen to worship, even if you can't sing that day because it's so bad. Just listen to truth. Surround yourself with the truth and you will come through. Let him refine you because you've got a massive call on your life. We need you. We need you in this new property. We want you and God wants you and you're the right person. You're the right person. Let's just, let's just get rid of the, the black cancerous bits that are on the inside that need to come out. <laughs> I love you. I'm with you. I can't rescue you, but I'm with you.